Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Record. Okay, hi everyone, and welcome to Purple Hyacinth, the prologue, episode zero, technically. And today we have Bundant, Fu, and Rissa. So I'll let you all introduce yourselves. Um, hi, I'm Bundan. I'm one of the mods on the Purple Hyacinth server. I'm a soon-to-be grad student, and I've been reading Purple Hyacinth for like a year and a half now, and I think about it way too much, but I'm happy, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and hi, I'm Rissa. I do episodes with Mindy for Midnight Poppyland, and I've jumped over here because I also love, love this webtoon, and I've been here in I've been for both of these in like the old days. So now I'm like, let's talk about it. It's going to be good to go through all of this again because it's going to be more fresh, you know, a second time, uh, at least for me. Um, hello, I'm Fu. Uh, I've been reading Purple Hyacinth for almost two years now. And I'm a pretty big theorist on the Purple Hyacinth server. London has had to put up with a lot of my theories as incorrect as they tend fun. to get. <laughs> and yeah, I'm very excited to go through these episodes again so much for coming on I am you know this is one of the early episodes they were recording obviously it's the first one but even in terms of this is our first week recording with Hyacinth and I'm super grateful that um you guys signed up because I was a little nervous you know who's going to sign up and like just nervous about the whole new story thing and you have been great so far so I'm super excited and grateful so thank you you're welcome thank you for doing this yeah thank you for hosting it's really my fun pleasure so it's really very um enlivening for me so <laughs> okay so we start out and by the way um every episode has music but we do not we're not gonna I guess we could because we're reading it and we're we're shutting off the sound on ours we can't really talk about the music so much I guess because we're not listening to it live but every episode does have music and it's amazing and it enhances the um the story so anyways the purple hyacinth starts out like this there's this image of a pistol right? That's the kind of gun. Mm-hmm. And it's smoking. It's just been, there's a bullet coming out. And the title says, what if you believed that you knew better than anyone else? Because unlike you, they can't see the lies. And we have this image of a whole bunch of purple hyacinths dripping with blood. So this kind of sets the tone for what the the, the the story is going to be like um obviously like there's this mysterious opening line um confusing doesn't necessarily you know just raises questions and then obviously the gun and the blood so it's going to be a violent cartoon and like I I did say I read the first two episodes and I immediately turned it off and I was like I can't read anymore because I was like I'm not reading anything that I like but like I said Patty actually told me that um that it was really good and I was like okay I'll give it another try so I'm glad I did (laughs) And it's also, oh, sorry. Yeah, I guess we could say, yet ironically, for the past 10 years, you have been the blindest of all. And that is how it opens up with more, um, you know, red, hazy smoke and like a little blood splatter at the end. 
and then we have the purple hyacinth title. So what do y'all think of the intro? Symbolism, symbolism everywhere. You're All just of like, the symbolism. Oh, it does. <laughs> it Where's it the does. blood coming from? What do the purple hyacinths, I can't say it and it's going to be horrible if I try. <laughs> what do they mean? <laughs> like, it's a really good way to open. And plus the music, actually, I don't know many webtoons that have a soundtrack. So like, really, when you get into it, you have so much like, you know, going into kind of like the build up to the scene. Um, but yeah, also the art and the blood kind of like going through each panel as it's kind of like saying these statements one by one. Yeah, it definitely feels like symbolism. This is all going to mean something later on, especially from the get-go. You're just like, it piques your interest immediately. Uh, something that's really interesting, actually, is that something that is very important that they've established in the prologue, as we'll see later on, is the association between red and blindness and lies. And we see that with the first, when they say they can't see the lies, that is the first statement with the backdrop in red. And so it immediately creates that association for us in our minds that when we see red, we know something's up, maybe with like lies or something's not quite right. I also like how it starts with a gunshot and the bullet, you see the bullet going down through the middle of the panels with each line of that monologue goes mm -hmm. into these beautiful purple flowers and then they're covered in blood. And it's just interesting reading this thing in combination with the music and the art and everything like you guys said it just really sets a great tone that gets you interested really quickly and curious about blindest of all why is there blood the gun the flowers all of it and you just assume even if you've never seen a hyacinth before you can be like I guess those are purple hyacinths yeah and I mentioned this like when we first saw the purple hyacinth in I think episode one but it's this whole this whole story has this juxtaposition of violence and extreme beauty because it's always drawn very beautifully and also the fact that it's kind of set in a proto-Victorian era also lends it beauty and the characters are very graceful and slender and, and the, they're beautiful movements. they're all beautiful so, yeah right there <laughs> so this whole this whole story just has that combination of beauty even with the like the um the gore and the like the twistedness which could be taken as like as message about the main like themes of the story that there's a lot there's a lot of ugly things going on in the story or people that do horrible things but are also beautiful mm -hmm. and that we have to be able to see that and to see them for both of those things both their ugly side and their beautiful side that was really well said <laughs> yeah that was yeah. very well said Mm -hmm. One thing I like as well, when it cuts to the title, you see purple hyacinth and the purple hyacinth in the middle. For those of you who know about the meanings of flowers, everybody kind of knows like flowers have meanings, like, you know, red roses, love, all that. If you look up what a purple hyacinth means, it means sorrow, regret, and apologies. So you just like, there you go, give me a lot of, away. <laughs> give me a lot of sadness and 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 regret and everything in this story which you get a sense of in this prologue definitely so I think it's a really good title in terms of what the main theme of the story is going forward yeah. and um I guess I want to add on to what Mindy said about how there's so 
there's so much beauty in this violence. And I think um, as the story progresses, we really see that there's a lot, a lot, there's a lot of themes about enjoying the small things, finding the small things that are beautiful, even when everything else is falling apart. And Purple Hyacinth, like you said, it delivers this message through its art, um, through its characters, through its plot itself. And it's just a very enchanting and magical and emotional story. Who are listening only. So now that we've had that very, I guess, tone setting um, introduction, we get into the prologue and it starts with a lot of action right away, which is again, very, I think, Sophan F. This is a very action filled story and they just come at, come right at it. So we have, we have stop and then you see it's a street. It's again, Victorian-ish with the, the street lamp and, and the architecture. And it says, Chris Schaefer, you are under arrest for planting a bomb in the Homston's theater. And it looks like there's um, someone in a, what well, looks like a uniform chasing after this guy. And they're telling him, tell us how to defuse it and we might show mercy. And he's running away with a very desperate kind of wild eyed look on his face. And he's like, shit, <laughs> close up of him. And he has something in his hand. You, it looks like a grenade. And he says, hey, pigs. And from which, because it's also a contemporary term, derogatory term for cops, you can see that they're cops. And um, you see a whole bunch of people standing and says, you, you think you can stop the phantom scythe? You're nothing compared to us. You value the city, you value your lives. One more step and you will die. Now that isn't red. So when I first read this, I didn't know, I didn't really quite notice. And we still don't know. We just notice that it's in red. We don't necessarily know yet why. And you see him take the pin off of what looks like the grenade with his mouth and everybody freaks out. You see their reflection, their eyes kind of behind their mask. It's showing you um, what their eyes would look like. And um, someone says, it's your grenade, everyone get out. But, and everybody, you know, is fleeing, except for one person who, um, you know, the pin goes down, the grenade goes down. One person has this little person with orange here has a little smile on her face. And instead of running away, she runs toward him. Great way to set up your protagonist. Yeah. Right. So at, at first when I read that, I was like, okay, so she is reckless. She's brave. She is strong, <laughs> strong-minded. And I didn't know what we know, you know, a little bit later, but I think that even, even with, without knowing uh, what we know about this protagonist, I think she does embody all of those traits. Yeah. I think you have to give props to the art in this scene. Action is very difficult to portray. And what's interesting in the panels is you actually see with movement, like the snow move faster and like things like are like how the lighting is done to really give that pacing. Because a lot of times like little details are forgotten, but in this one, like it's just so beautiful, but it's definitely like building up the tension just in like poses. And again, the characters are elongated. They're very, as you said, like kind of lean and um, slender. Uh, so they, their actions are very like big when they make them, at least I noticed. Uh, but yeah, that's something I like. It's just like definitely uh, the author's good at making action 
seem actiony. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not easy. It's really not because it's really different poses for action. It's not you know stationary. They're like throwing things and moving and yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to show action with drawings, especially like a series of drawings. So you understand the flow of action, and they do a pretty good job with it. Like it's really hard, and they pull it off like almost perfectly with this scene in particular. You get a lot just without any dialogue from her or anything about what go- what's going through her head, her mindset, everything. Just, yeah. And yeah. we haven't even seen her eyes yet. We just see like the bottom of her face. So it adds another level of mystery to this character, mm-hmm. to this protagonist. Um, we assume mm-hmm. that she's the one narrating at the beginning. And she says how like she thinks that she was, she knew better than everyone else except she didn't and that also definitely plays into her sort of cockiness her boldness her confidence that we see here because she knows something that everyone else doesn't and that's why she runs towards the bomb or at the grenade instead of fleeing like um, the other police and so what does she know and how does she know it no that's a very good linkage between the, the prologue in here so she's running the grenade is prominently displayed on the floor and you know you see everyone else there's actually one of the police officers that's holding this little kid and kind of protecting him which is a sweet nice moment and she's running toward him and you know they tell her officer Sinclair so this must be her name what are you doing you won't make it in time Lauren and they're all trying to stop her so Lauren don't and they all (laughs) but she doesn't care right she runs literally straight toward it (laughs) And it explodes. So you're like, oh my gosh, is she dead? Um, but then you see that they're like smoke. The bomb was fake. They're all enveloped in smoke. So basically the bomb was not a grenade. It was a smoke, um, a smoke bomb. And the, the criminal or the person who planted the bomb is you know, panicking because she's catching up on him. And then you see her coming out. She is like this figure, you know, descending on him she's backed by this tremendous light and it just sets her up to be this very powerful imposing um capable confident person who is you know doing her job and completely negating his plan something that he was sure was like foolproof and that would you know scare everybody and get him his way she's like the one person who just foiled it and completely blew him away by surprise I love the imagery of her above him. She almost looks like an avenging angel or something, like coming down from heaven. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like the the way that the glow of it with the light saying how she's above him and all that. She looks almost ethereal in a way. Just mm-hmm. oh, it's so good <laughs> with the storytelling. Yeah. You know, if you actually, if you use that analogy of her looking like she's an angel, that is something that definitely plays a lot into the story. The story is where she set up, and I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, you know, kind of get into the theme. Really, she set up to be the very moral, you know, the side of the law, the moral side, and then, you know, she, as we learned in the tag, you know, she teams up with an assassin, and who you would assume is the immoral person. And the whole theme of the story is finding out what is good and what is bad, and that people are people who you thought they were, are people as, you know, black and white as you thought they were. The people who present themselves as bad, are they really bad? The people who present themselves as good, are they really good? So it's really a theme running throughout the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
uh, a callback I would make again to like your thing about beauty and violence is the panel where we see the grenade it's very still and yet like right on when we zoom in on it except it is um beside two panels where we see intense action and so that kind of builds the intensity so we see chaos and then we see quiet and then there's just more chaos and more chaos but in this moment while you're looking at that panel it is just entirely peaceful except and it's ironic because this grenade could go off at any second that's like the eye of the storm feeling where you know when you're in a hurricane and the eye is it's calm but I love that like that noticing that contrast yeah I definitely think that this is telling a lot about her character I mean she's set up to be this hero type and she's like coming from the smoke and like yeeting herself at this guy who's like oh shit like get away like oh no she was not prepared for that and I love that I like that kind of humor where she goes through um so I think the whole thing portrayed in this is strength. Strength and beauty is really coming through in, in these first scenes. But of course, we'll get more, more complicated later on. The literal moral high ground. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Symbolism. I have the high ground. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. It's over. If we want to... If you want to even go further, the the smoke also smoke is typically something that you know obfuscates vision and doesn't allow you to see clearly. So this totally ties into what she said, where you know, am I the one who's blind and I wasn't able to see all along? So this is the very first episode and it's showing that everyone is encased in smoke and nobody can really see the truth and and what they thought was one thing, right? Like grenade is actually not. So just yeah, again, yeah. totally tying in. It's a story that you're going to get to the end and then go back to the beginning. Like, it's totally going to be the the full circle is how I feel because, like, from the beginning, you're going to, it just, it gets crazier as it goes on. I wanted to clarify, too, there are, there's two authors to this. One does the drawing, one does the writing, from my understanding. Or do they both collaborate on the writing? Um, From what I know, I think F does most of the writing in terms of plot, but she and Soph will discuss what they want out of the general plot and F will detail it, write it as a script. We should actually posted a few of the scripts on the Discord, which for those episodes, I could send those later. But um, yeah, and so f- storyboards and co- com- composes it to show that. So it's really great collaboration. You've got a really good writer and a really good artist working together on the plot and demonstrating it through words and through visuals perfectly it's so good Mm -hmm. exactly uh i just want to add on to uh, mindy's point about the fog and being unable to see and i think it's like people are stumbling around in this fog they don't really know what's going on but they're still following this one target and i think what you're saying about what is good what is bad right now they think they know what is bad and that's what they're following but Mm -hmm over the story will be tested are they really bad and so the fog may be hiding more than we think exactly Love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is just getting me so excited for the rest of the story and I'm like oh my god I can't wait till next monday yeah i reread this actually like a week ago i was showing my boyfriend and i was reading it with him and i was already like oh that's a thing that's a thing <laughs> like from later on so it's just 
it's well written. It's well written, and it it's it's references things that are years in the making almost. And it's just so great to see that. Just the amount of thought that went into this from day one, so good. I'll have to say, oh sorry, oh sorry. Um, I'll just say this quickly. Um, just before I came onto the Zoom meeting, I wrote a small essay about one of the very tiny details in this scene that I can't talk about yet, but it is on the Discord for you guys to find. And if you guys would like, I can send it to you. You guys have read up to like episode 80, then hit that up. <laughs> That's good. No, I was gonna say that these next panels that many will go through, I, all I see is Batman. Like I just hear the Batman voice in these next scenes, like we're like, Can I- you, you go on to the next panels. Cause this is totally like in my mind, like Batman. <laughs> like, it's so funny. They make so many Batman references in this story. <laughs> there are so many Batman references in this. I love it. I love it so much. I I like don't watch any superhero movies or anything. So (laughs) I have some of those episodes. I'll point those out. I'll point those out. (laughs) Just like Batman. Anytime like someone grabs a criminal, all I hear is like Batman's voice. Like, oh, we're (laughs) like, if you know, you know. Anyway. I know. So anyway, so Officer Sinclair Lauren, as we now know her name, um, has jumped on this um, bomber and she has him, you know, grasp, she grasps his hair, she has him by the head and she says, red or blue, you know, again, directly to the point, just very action oriented, very pragmatic, very direct. And he says, what? And she says, which is it? Which wire? And, you know, she's got him pinned. He's looking at her, you know, she's on him. His hand is twisted behind his back. His arm is twisted behind his back. She, you know, his face is pushed into the pavement. And she says, talk now. Tell me how to defuse the bomb or I swear to God I will. And, you know, it's very, it's this very tense scene. She's screaming. We have these lines to show that it's, you know, fast. And he's shivering and he says, blue. And again, this is in red. And then she says, thanks, takes her radio. And she says, Officer Sinclair here. And they're like, Sinclair, how? And she says, I have the suspect in hand. What did he say? And she says, with complete confidence, cut the red wire. So when I first read this before I started realizing what the red was about I was like okay so she is deducing that he's lying but like how does she know with such confidence like how does she just say cut the red wire so clearly and this is exactly what the person that she's talking to on the other line asks he says are you sure dozens of lives are on the line and he says she says yes and he's very 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 nervous he's in another location inside the theater apparently and you know with a pair of tweezers his hands are shaking he is diffusing the bomb and he cuts the red wire. And then there's this red. That panel is so good with just the red. Right, because we we could assume, right, it could be anything. It could be a giant explosion. Like generally red is associated with violence. Blood. Mm-hmm. But More blood. now we see bomb disposal unit reporting the threat has been successfully neutralized. Huh. <laughs> Phew. I do get a sick pleasure out of that guy being like, no like how did you know like being so like it's like being see even then when he's like caught he's still trying to like throw her off and then she's just like mm, okay cut the red one and he's like no like it's like the sick part of me that's like yes in your face like, we see this happen so much in the in the story and it's, it's still so good every time like <laughs> like how do you know <laughs> oh 
It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, the um, red panel is also just another example of just a moment of silence among all the chaos. Mm-hmm. And it really builds up to the climax of this entire scene where it's almost as if you can't breathe while you're reading this because the um, the intensity is just almost suffocating for you as well as it is for the guy who's defusing the bomb and you really feel what he's feeling right there. Like, we don't even know how um, Lauren can be sure. And then it's just, your screen is entirely red. And like Mindy said, it could mean anything at this point. Mm-hmm. And then we see the bomb disposal unit reporting. And it's just a period, just cutting off, but it's still just very towards the point and calm. And then there's a whole bunch of white space, which serves as like a kind of a time gap, but also to, to get, take you away from like the tension and to show you, you know, this, this, stage is over and now we can move on from that yeah i love the gap really like they uh between the neutralized threat it's just like a stretch of white and it really does allow you to just kind of be like and it's like it also shows like a bit of time has passed which is good like in terms of editing your story to make it breathe you don't want to cram too much into one and that's like something that again purple hyacinth does really good later on I find that it really balances well between action and really intense arcs and then slow. Because if you're reading it all at once, you don't want to read a story that's constantly at 100 because that can get mentally exhausting and you can miss a lot of things. You, you need to have those ebbs and flows of, of your pacing, your action, your drama, and time to relax because that really lets you process the information. And same for relationship building, which we can get into more when those are relevant. But that is something that I really appreciate about this comic. It's very, very slow in the relationship building appropriately. So <laughs> so now we see this bird's eye view of the police officers milling around on that pavement. It looks like one of them has got, now it doesn't look like Lauren, but somebody else is still on the, the terrorist. And we see this guy, um, young guy with freckles coming over to her officer Sinclair god you really scared us back there and <laughs> while the the criminals in the background he's being led away and he says when you started running toward it I and she's like it's okay the striker head was modified the lever was a lot shorter than on a normal grenade she has this little smile on her face and she says frags have longer heads for safety purposes most smoke grenades have a shorter one because it's less, less lethal and so first of all you see from this her um her deductive clues, sorry, deductive reasoning is just spot on. And her ability to notice tiny little details under immense pressure, just extraordinary. Like this is a lot, you know, presumably this is something that perhaps other police officers also know, but the fact that she knows it plus was able to observe it under pressure just indicates a lot about her mind, which as we'll see in the future, is not always so common objective, but in this case it was. So, yeah, yeah, sorry, go on. I think just um, another sign to show how the scene has slowed down is that the snow isn't as fast-paced anymore. And you guys pointed that out earlier, how the snow is very um, action-y, but now it's just slowly falling and everything is just kind of just slowed down and we can breathe. 
I'll be going now, Officer Harvey got some paperwork back at the station. And he says, wait. And she's like, see you tomorrow. And she runs away. And, you know, and then the officer says, Sinclair, every time. And then he's like, wait, isn't the department the other way? And I thought, you see from this and the fact that she was so quick to say, oh, it's okay. She doesn't really kind of like take praise easily. Um, and she seems to need to get away. Like she is making light of a very serious, at least in front of him, she isn't acknowledging the the seriousness of what just happened and the kind of like amazingness of what she just did um, for whatever reason. We don't really quite know yet, but you can see that she isn't comfortable singing, like kind of like rebelling in the glory or like reliving it or sharing with other people her emotional experience because we do see, what does she do? She... Well, you know, she starts talking and she's reminiscent, she's hears blue and you will die in his head. And she, and those are the two that were in red. And she says, I've always been able to hear lies. And now we're getting the clue because lies is in red and those words are in red. So I didn't get it the first time I read it, but now I get it. <laughs> the authors are telling us she can hear lies and the lies are in red. And she's at the side of a building splashing there. And she says, growing up, we were taught not to lie. She started reaching into her face to take off her mask. We were taught that lies are evil. And now she takes off her mask and we have this visual of her face. Her eyes are, eyebrows are furrowed. She seems very focused. And then it sometimes- If you will. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it says, but sometimes the truth is worse. And then you see her looking down, her eyes are opened and you see these beautiful golden eyes. And you see her looking down at her hand and her hand is shaking. So clearly this experience was much more emotionally affected for her than she let on to this other officer, which we know his name later, but um, so she didn't want to show that emotion to him, but privately she does allow herself to feel that. And you see, she punches the wall and she like, her head is just, you know, she pushes her head into her hand. So she's first of all, also quite emotionally intense and also feeling, you know, taking it out on, on an inanimate object. And she says, and for someone like me, and again, her hand is shaking and she like drags it down the wall. Um, there were moments I wished I never knew. And that's a little bit later, but she says, you know, she, she is at this point is totally down on the floor. She is obviously extremely shaken. And she says, I stopped it. I stopped it this time. Looks like she's wiping her eyes. And she says, and yet there were moments I wish I never knew. And then we'll get into a little bit of the next section. Let's hear your thoughts first. I really like the, the correlation between the mask and then as soon as she takes off her police mask, her, her mask and that what she's hiding internally also comes out her true self and what she really feels. It's a really good, um, like, ref, like it was it an illusion to like her internal feelings. Like she, around the other officers, she's confident. She's like, oh, it was no big deal, but by herself, when she's by herself, she takes off her mask and she lets herself feel and express all the emotions that are swirling in her head. And I think that's a really good visual cue. Just like the whole thing with like, um, I've always been able to hear lies, written in red with the two lies next to it in red. And it's like, oh, makes sense. I, I just, I really like the show don't tell aspects of the prologue especially and they use that a lot going forward but the prologue really just sets the tone for like the story's not gonna 
exposition you for the most part. Sometimes they have to do it, but a lot of it is in the visuals and what the characters do. And it's just demonstrated so well here. Yeah, I like, I also like uh, the story, how you're getting like, oh, this does not only have to do with like the trauma of like, it could have been a grenade. It's also something that's to do with her past because in the reflection, you are seeing the young version of her and then it's opening up to a new a new panel uh, flashback there. But as you said, it's a really good way to not tell her whole story, but really give all those hints of like what kind of character she is, who she is. I mean, this seems a little weird, but it's almost like you can relate to that fact. Like when we're at work, we usually are wearing some kind of mask, most of us. And even if things get emotional, we have to kind of like hold it together to be competent. And then when we are alone, we can like actually feel our feels a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Of course, hers are a lot more traumatizing than the average Joe, of course, of course. But it's just a way to relate to a character where it's just like, you know, in high intense situations, you have to kind of keep it together. And then, um, yeah, then then you take off the mask and then you go home and cry and eat Ben and Jerry's or whatever, you know, (laughs) whatever you eat, whatever you you go home. Um, unfortunately she doesn't have the luxury of like I mean a cop's job is hard being an officer is a hard hard job or a detective or in that line of work in general I don't know you know how they they deal with it on a daily basis so maybe it is the kind of like go into the broom closet and cry it out like between jobs I don't know some people might have lovely jobs and this never happens to them but <laughs> for a lot of people this is kind of the reality not necessarily just jobs though you could have it with anything you're with your friends your family you want to and especially for her, she wants to appear confident there's definitely situations socially that you want to appear like you have everything together and you're confident but you don't show this side of yourself to just anybody you mainly keep it to you or maybe just the people you're closest to so I think it can be relatable to a lot of people in that sense, not just work, but through your social life, through society, all that. Um, Lauren's line about where she's like, I stopped it this time. And yet, and the phrasing of like this time makes it seem there was a time before. And so what was that time before? And if she was able to stop it this time, the time before was she unable to stop it and right after that we get the panel of her as a child and then we scroll down a little bit more and we get Allendale and sorry I'm just going a little bit ahead and then we go a little bit more down and we see an explosion and so as a child it kind of gives us this hint that something bad happened while she was a kid that she felt she should have stopped and then just the comparison of her current self and then her child self and the reflection is her current self is washed in blue and often blue is a color associated with sadness whereas um her child lauren is in yellow and yellow is often the sign of happiness and yeah (laughs) Right. So this panel leads into another whole flashback. So she's this child Lauren is reflected there. And she's also not only is she in yellow, she's also holding a basket of flowers, very innocent, very, you know, happy. And, you know, we'll learn more about the flowers later. But right now, it just right away sets an image of an innocent little girl. 
but and then the, the visuals are beautiful because it's this you know she's now reflected looking opening into this like kind of triangle and there's Allendale right we have this building that says Allendale on it and it looks like it's a train station we see a train and we see a little boy with white hair and a newsboy cap that's patched running towards kind of like looks like he's running to keep up with a train which is something kids like to do and you know you see again it's like this kind of these black lights this black background with white light you know yellow lights in between and then you see this giant explosion and it looks like everything's falling apart at the train station it's just very graphic things are flying and then you have a ton of smoke and fire and everything is broken on the floor and again in between you have constantly like this eerie black with like burning lights and then you see it's raining now it's back to being blue so it's like this very like kind of like after effects where there's now a police line police line do not cross apd and um it's raining it's blue there's debris everywhere and then you see this panel of like people on the floor just dead dead bodies with um actually like a stake with the only like golden thing there and then you see somebody hung up on this giant stick. It's like a telephone pole or like the remnants of a building. It's like the pole, I guess. It looks like a scythe. It's meant to look like a scythe, I think. Does it look like a scythe? Yeah, it has a little like... I mean, it's kind of... It's kind of... I could see yeah. that. I can't see really that. curve wood, though. It's a... Uh, it, it, I don't know if this is, is the, the Christian upbringing, but it, it almost looks like a cross. Yeah. Like someone who's crucified, which, mm -hmm. you know, religious it's, imagery is always, is always a pretty good thing to show in terms of like immediate understanding. There's a lot of um, religious Im imagery that we see in Purple Hyacinth, especially in like some of the promotional banners, like for the season one banner, like when it first launched, current... Uh, I'm so sorry, you might have to cut that <laughs> out. Um, we see the guy, we see this guy that we'll see later on in this episode. Um, and we see Lauren in the church. And so, and then in older um, banners, we see them also in a church with like church windows behind them. And as we'll see later on, we see more church imagery and references. And so, the church is just very something just just very um, relevant in this comic. Okay, I just noticed this. Um, I don't know. I this is the first time I've noticed this, and I've been reading this for a year and a half. But at the bottom where the stake is in the ground, there's like a bloody image mm -hmm. in the floor. Yeah, and it, the... it looks like some sort of hooded figure. And mm -hmm. this it's is a symbol. symbol. Yeah, this is some sort of symbol that I never noticed until now. But it it does come back and we'll see that the symbol appear again and again, but just keep that in mind. I feel bad for whoever had to paint that because it's obviously <laughs> painted with blood. <laughs> so like who, whoever painted that deserves a raise, especially since the terrain looks like really uneven. And it's raining. Like, am oh, I, yeah. like I'm not seeing, so the um, red forms a hooded figure. Yeah, um, yeah. you will see this again, I think, in episode two, at the beginning of episode two, which we're not there yet. I'll probably show you this after the podcast. So it doesn't spoil anybody. But yeah, yeah, it's right where the pole is stuck. It's like a hood and then there's a, a face and then there's a pole next to the face that kind of goes under like the jaw and then more red above the figure. 
Yeah, once you see it, it, it will make more sense. It, like, it's the, one of those things, like, once you know. Line, it, it's an illusion thing. There's yeah. one in like front of the um, face, and it's supposed to be, like, the, I don't know what it's called, but, like, the handle of a scythe, and then the top part is the blade of a scythe. Yeah, and then the, the floated figure kind of is, like, in reference to, like, I don't know, I get Grim Reaper vibes, because, yeah, scythe and everything. So, yeah, it's death let's just it's it's just just death everywhere <laughs> good symbology and branding on the part of um this organization mm-hmm. branding is very important to them as we will see later on <laughs> so and then i mean this whole thing is just like really um i'm gonna say gross and just like extremely violent and we see the the person who's hung up there first of all those ropes around his neck and his waist and on his chest, it's been carved. The revolution has begun, Phantom Scythe. And again, so it's it's just carved into his skin. Just a really, really gruesome image. Clearly the Phantom Scythe is just ruthless, violent, unca- uncaring. Like we don't know anything about this person on who's hung up here, but we would assume he's an innocent person. Although um, we actually don't know who he is, but just really sick. And now, we we'll go back to Lauren. Lauren is expelling a breath. Whew, you know, she clearly is again emotional. And she says, I needed to keep going. Again, she shuts, shuts her eyes like she's just trying to give herself more strength. And we see another image of her. And then we see Lauren. We see, um, you did good today. There's a blonde officer approaching her. And she... You know, there's, there's these two panels where it's her mouth is open and her mouth is closed. And I, I think, I think it kind of symbolizes her, okay, you know, like acclimating to having to go back into the social world again, you know, putting aside her, her grief and her emotions and whatever she had to deal with. And like, okay, switching to people mode. And now I'm going to, you know, be back to normal because you see in the next one, she smiles. She says, thank you. And she kind of looks like she's putting her mask back on. So this is something that, you know, she keeps to herself. She doesn't let other people in to her inner life and her inner thoughts. This is something that, again, definitely a big theme. Um, And she hides her emotions and doesn't let other people see them for the most part. So it's just all right, laid out right here in the prologue. Yeah, again, it's the same mask imagery, putting it back on. She needs to put back on her, her work face, her confident face. And then I needed to keep going. It's her just being like, just taking a breath, relaxing, compartmentalizing, and just having an eye for the greater goal and not letting herself be consumed by her trauma much longer and being like, there's work to be done, basically. Yeah, um, the I have to keep going. Uh, right after we saw that gruesome image and the explosion it's obviously in reference to that that event was very scarring to her and um but despite that despite um the trauma that it gave her she's trying to overcome it in a sense and um it's kind of hinted that like the guy at the beginning was part of this organization and so how she's going to overcome this trauma is by taking down the phantom scythe. She needs to keep going to take them down and save the day. 
you know, it's something I didn't even quite realize that, but that's and that's definitely a motivating factor for her. That's her, her main drive. That's something we also see, though, is that the Phantom Scythe has been around since she was a child. So they're still dealing with these same terrorists. And you really do get the sense that she is after them in particular in this. Because they were the ones that caused that thing that has her tra like traumatized and emotionally full of regrets and everything that we see. And you just get the sense that she's after them. She wants to take them down and prevent any more people from going through any loss or anything like she has. And I think it's a really good way to, again, you, you set it up without explaining it in exposition. You see the guy before and then it cuts the flashback. You already know, okay, they're bad. They've been around a long time. She's gonna go after them. Really great shorthand and storytelling that makes it really efficient and easy to understand without bogging you with a bunch of information at once. But then, you know, it continues and it says, but, and then they get this more of the blackness um, with a little bit of orange light without the truth. And then there's, you know, huff, huff. And you see a little girl, Lauren, running running just as she did with running towards the grenade, running towards the danger. She did that too as a little girl. She's running towards the explosion desperately, like really, really fast. You can see, she, you know, besides with the huffing and puffing, you see her legs and then you see her stop and she's, looks like she's crying. You know, her face is leaning down. There's a ton of like moisture on her face. And she said, it still wasn't good enough. And you see these droplets just falling down onto the hat of that we saw earlier, the patched hat of the little boy that was running before um, in the train station. So presumably, you know, this is someone that she knew that we gather from here and is gone, um, that was in the attack because it's just in the middle of the, all the wreckage. And then she says, but I never thought, and now we get to what looks like petals, the purple hyacinth petals. And you see this man um, leaning very contemplatively, looking at a purple hyacinth. He's covered in blood. He has blood on his hands. Um, he has gloved hands and on his shirt, but he's looks very restful and he's looking at the purple hyacinth. There's, you know, light going on it. It's very beautiful. And she says, but I never thought I'd team up with him to find it. And then there's a close-up of him and he's brought the purple hyacinth closer, presumably to his nose to sniff it. And he has this little smile on his face. And that's where it ends. And he's hot. Like that whole thing <laughs> for sure kind of open, being like, look at my chiseled jaw. Like, mm. like the jaw, the hair, like really, the man yeah. bun. <laughs> exactly. And it was really heavy emotions, but like I'm a fangirl, obviously. So I'm like, oh, the feels, that little poor little boy. When we got to this, I'm like, oh, who he? Who he did? <laughs> you know, who this guy? Just <laughs> like, I'm like mm -hmm. just like <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> Who is judging us? <laughs> I stay away from the Kieran Simpery. <laughs> I won't Don't knock you. it till you try it. <laughs> Sorry, I've adopted him as my son. I will protect him. <laughs> I'm but. sorry, and I'm, I'm googling your son. But when like you first read this, you're like, who's this? This this handsome man? Because like I obviously. <laughs> They don't draw him like that to look like this poor unfortunate soul. Like there is that little bit, the mystery and all that. He has a 
white billowy shirt open and his hair is all like woo and he has a chiseled jaw like they know what they uh, do and <laughs> literally i think she said that yeah the dark-haired boys the dark-haired boys are the <laughs> i was just like f you're a woman behind my own heart i feel you <laughs> but yeah no what i love is that but i never thought i'd team up i'd team up with him to find it just looking at him you get the sense that he is almost in opposition to her in some ways because like you know he's covered in blood he's got gloves on and it's like he looks a little shady what's going on with him who is this like so you get the sense that like this whole thing is going on and then but she's kind of feels like she's stuck in this like regret she's not getting like she feels like she's not getting anything done like I stopped at this time but you know she still feels all this regret you get the sense here with this but like everything you show him he is somehow involved in changing this in a way so yeah he's just an attractive man who's gonna help us <laughs> and at the very end you see uh our lovely writer of the webcomic and writer and artist their uh uh cartoon forms <laughs> their webtoon forms and it says let's make it spicy so you can't blame me <laughs> in that panel and then reading that and be like mm, okay Let's yeah. make it spicy. What's up? <laughs> I we think... love and appreciate the spice that they give us. Yes. <laughs> I think and probably. the character development and, and the good stuff. That food is more like she's protective of this character because all the things. And you should be. These these are very it just gets deeper from here. You think this is like deep and like dark? It just keeps going down a well. It's Every... fun. It's a fun <laughs> Everything just goes downhill. Yeah, like <laughs> you think like, oh, that was pretty dark. It's like, keep going. <laughs> uh, you know nothing. And you know just, nothing. It goes on, you're just like, then you read more and you're just like, so good. I think probably one of the most powerful panels in this episode isn't actually of that dude. It's um, the one right before him where we see it's the panel that we see from Lauren's perspective as a child. And I'm not sure, but this might be the first panel we see from her perspective and we can tell it's her perspective because we can see the tears falling mm-hmm. from her eyes and we can see what seems to be her socks um as she stands on the edge um of some stone i think and i think actually it's that. her knees it looks like she's kneeling down oh is she oh. kneeling down oh uh, it kind of looks like she's standing if she was kneeling down it'd be white i mean yellow right because her dress yeah she's to be her knees she's looking over like this yeah 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 and uh, you, she's looking technicality. down technicality <laughs> those are some it's, of the most beautiful tears i've ever seen like yeah ghibli it's, tears it's such a powerful panel because we've only seen um the owner of this hat once and we didn't even see their face and <coughs> Suddenly, when we see this hat, it's just the remnant of them. And even though we don't know this character, we don't even know their name. It's just, it's, and then we see it from her perspective. It's just this ultimate sense of loss. And that's just some amazing storytelling. Because again, we don't know this character and we don't really know what happened. We don't know the relationship. But just seeing this remaining trace of them, but not them actually is really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm. The emotions that you get are just like, I love Purple Hyacinth because this isn't really spoiler the thing, but you go on an emotional roller coaster. There are highs of like characters being successful, hilarious moments, bonding, and then just the deepest despair, twists, turns, shock, realizations. And it's just so well combined where you never feel like any one of those elements overstays its welcome. They all work together to keep the story moving forward and keep it interesting and keep it so that it doesn't, you don't feel like you lose track of anything, I find. It's pretty well, you, you, it flows very easily from one thing into another. And I just love that, as I've said like a million times. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think uh, I was going to say something in particular because we were pointing out the artistic choices in this. Uh, you can tell like the suffocation you guys kind of talked about with the grays and the being lost in the mist that is this character's life. Like her present is that. And everything beforehand was vibrant. Even even the tragedy itself is vibrant and like alive. And I think that's something to keep in mind with the whole story arc is this moment is like, it's not gone away. Like that's when like the highs, the lows, her whole, her whole arc is based on that. And it's told in imagery right here. Again, like you're looking at such a gray kind of dark gritty you know present and you go back and you see more of that vibrancy and like the life in there so I, I like it it's so many good choices with this and again it, a webtoon of symbolism it's just like you're just gonna have to like if you want something you can read into this is the one because like so mm-hmm. much so much detail they need to have no mystery webtoons man it's great like, I actually normally don't ever read mysteries, so this is the first one. Mysteries or action, read, watch, any of that stuff. But this is the first one that I really am into. Zing. Yeah. <laughs> this one hooked me. Like, what I like about Webtoon is that when you get a new Webtoon, I didn't read this when it was brand new. They had 20 episodes out when I started, but Webtoons usually release the first three episodes, at least, but when they have a new series. So even though this is the prologue, and this is what most people see with the prologue, they release episode one and episode two at the same time. And I feel like reading all three of those together gives you, is really what gets you into it. But like, obviously this just sets up the premise and just sets up intrigue. Cause I remember when I read this, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, yeah, let me keep reading. But it was only when, as I read more, I was like, oh no, and now I have to read this. And then I caught up in a day <laughs> and now I own all the merch not all the merch just what I could ship over but yeah I did not think I would get as into it but I just knew when I read it, it was like oh this is gonna be something special just off the bat I think so for me I didn't realize how in love I was with Purple Hyacinth until like right about a year ago and I think that's something that's really kind of fascinating about this comic is it's so well done but in a way where like you can feel it but it doesn't really like it just feels so natural and then when it really hits you in those moments it makes you take a it makes you take a step back and look at everything that comes before and everything just sort of clicks in your mind and you're just in awe at the storytelling and the mastery that goes in that went into this comic 
So I want to talk about the two images of the, the young man at the end, because I want to read into what I see in those images. I don't think it's a spoiler, but I do think that you can see, tell a lot about who he is just from these two images. And this is really honestly what I thought the first time I read it before we are, you know, know more about this character. But my first thought is, you know, somebody who's sitting there and looking at a flower seems, it's a very sensitive person. And the way that he's looking at it, you know, it's like after we were talking about the, the ebb and flow between the calm and the chaos. So after the chaos of the previous scene, this is a very calm scene. You know, it, it's, he's contemplative and he's just sitting there examining the flower. And you can kind of derive based on the, the blood on his hands and based on the, um, the fact that she said, I never thought I'd team up with him, that he's a violent person. But then it's really, really juxtaposed with the sensitivity with which he's looking at the flower. And again, a flower is a symbol of beauty, a symbol of delicacy, of a symbol of the goodness in the world and, you know, you know, promise and hope and love and all those things. So it's a big contrast between that. But from this very first image, you get the sense that the violence is external to him and who he really is inside is a sensitive person. And that's something that and you just get just straight from these images. And especially the second image when he brings it closer to himself. In the first image, he kind of looks sad. Like to me, he does look like a regretful about what he's doing. And then he brings it to his mouth, his nose to sniff it, and then he smiles. And as it's as if he's saying, you know, I am who I am and I need to do what I need to do, but I'm going to give myself this moment of peace, of serenity, of beauty, and allow myself to feel joy. Oh, I like that. You know, mm. honestly, I thought the smile was just reflecting her smile. Like how they, when they put on the mask, they smile mm. again because they're covering, like it's like the putting on the mask moment because they literally almost do the same smile when they like go back into kind of like the mode. So like where I think I agree with you with the regret kind of like feeling that moment, but then he kind of has to like, you know, put it back on. And you will learn more as the chapters go on. So <laughs> I was like, I don't want to give too many hints to the future because there's a lot. There's just a lot. Just read it if you have it. And then you can geek out. And there's a Discord. You can join the Discord for it. <laughs> join the Discord. Join the Discord. I'm probably yeah, we have fun server events. <laughs> yeah, we had Jeopardy like a month ago. It was so fun. That's so fun. Yeah, and App herself came with an alt and played on a team. <laughs> she was like, I can't remember half of this stuff. It was so funny. <laughs> that is very um, cool. Um, think... Wait, sorry, you go. Oh, okay, thank you. Uh, just also something else that's pretty ironic is that he's covered in blood, and yet, as Bundan pointed out earlier, he's holding a flower that symbolizes regret. And so... And we don't know where he is. It looks a little cold. I mean, some blocks, gloves are obviously like, you know, part of the mis mystery. And we don't, the fact we don't see his eyes, it's all very, who is this man? And that's also kind of why, like in the banner, that's partly what got me into PH because when I saw the original banner and he was covered in blood and I was like, who is this man? Oh, so you weren't like, who is this man? You're like, no, I wasn't like, oh, who is this? Like, <laughs> who is this? <laughs> like, why is he covered in blood? Like, dude. <laughs> I I was gonna say that exact same thing, but also I one thing, this could be, be me just digging way too deep. But you know what? That's what we're here for. 
the other scene, the earlier scene with with Lauren and the other officers, that was at like an overcast snowy day. So it's very gray, wet, all that stuff. The, the flashbacks of the train station yellows and even the explosion is like these bright vibrant colors like we said then we cut to him it's almost like it's nighttime and that's he's sitting in the moonlight which puts him in like almost opposition to what we've seen before because he's kind of like a a, a character of the night some more perhaps dark and has a maybe not sinister but more like in opposition to the light or different type of light, let's say, because he is in bright moonlight. So yeah, just just interesting imagery again. There's also just a lot of serenity around him compared to like all the chaos and action from earlier. Mm-hmm. And the particles, this is a big thing of the art style is very small particles. And we see this earlier, um, we saw part chaotic particles um, in the explosion scene and there's a lot of them and they're a bit bigger, but here they're just, there's fewer, um, they're smaller and the scene just feels very quiet. Mm. So I wanna read um, at the end of every episode, the creator's notes, they have very funny creator's notes. I love so them. Read it. Um, this note is, I was going to carve a, and it's a symbol of, um, Basically like a smiley face with a nose. What is that? <laughs> I think it's a colon and then a greater than symbol. Because I always know less than three is what you use to make a heart. So it's going to be like a colon and a greater than. So it's like a, a smile with like a, a like a V-shaped grin. It's a like hee hee. <laughs> so very disrespectful, right? On the corpse uh, <laughs> you know, torso, but the idea didn't pass, right? Because they're very, they have a very black sense of humor. And I mean, just like... Yeah, the most grim, gruesome, just macabre sense of humor. Yeah, so that's, there it is right there, right? <laughs> Prologue. The, the authors like to troll us. We are the blindest of all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay, so any final thoughts before we finish the episode? I love this story so much. <laughs> yeah, the prologue just perfectly sets up everything um someday I hope like once PH is over I can come back to the prologue and just dissect everything because there's already details that I'm just noticing now after the new information that we've been getting in the last season and it's just it's genius this story is literally genius and the planning and forethought that must have happened for all of this and how they and how the authors have just tied this all together so seamlessly is really amazing and honestly it's not something I would have expected from a webtoon when I first got into webtoon no and yeah it's it's breathtaking really it's completely completely unique in its um in its in terms of its premise and its storytelling the use of music as well the music is such a big deal in this webtoon and I've read other ones that have included a lot of music like um in the bleak midwinter is really good with its music I don't know if you've read that one that one has a lot of music as well oh, yeah. but yeah purple hyacinth does this thing where you when you do certain sections the music will change to suit the tone and it's not just the one track for the whole thing it's just you could just tell that they really care about 
setting up the mood and using the music as a storytelling device. And that is so great. We're so accustomed to reading with just our eyes and what we see written, but to have the music as well just adds a whole nother layer. And I, it just immediately it makes it a lot more intriguing and can pull you in a lot easier, especially for like, like this is like my fourth webtoon, I think. And it was immediately like, oh, this is my favorite one now, I see. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. I'll say it's a little sad because I do genuinely think that this may be the best story I will ever experience in my life. Like, You ever. feel like you peaked too early? Yeah, I peaked <laughs> oh. way too early. <laughs> so now it's either the only place to go here is to make my own story or just... Uh-huh. Okay. Hope for another one. <laughs> Get inspired. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't, As somebody who reads a lot, I don't think it's possible to say what the be, you know best story. So like, there's a lot of wonderful stories out there and hopefully you'll mm-hmm. find others that you enjoy as much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of stuff out there. Like yeah. there, are de- there are tropes in this story going forward that I have in some of my favorite media in general, novels, TV shows, anime stuff like that I have a very particular thing that I love seeing and when it happens it's just like yes and just this delivers on a lot of those but it's not exclusive to this you will find a lot of stories that you will enjoy in the in the future food just don't worry about it you're not gonna you're not gonna peak with verbal hyacinth I at least I hope not but at least and even if you do don't see it as like oh nothing else is gonna sum up just be like I just read something so great I know. And I love everything. And yeah. It's really something I want to share with everyone else, like the people I know, whether it be like online or um, just in real life, because it really is a diamond in the rust. And um, just it, people knowing about it is amazing. And just giving people that um, experience to know it is just awesome, too. Like um, when I see people I know in real life, um, telling me about how much they like it it's just, it's a really special feeling because I'm sharing something that I love with them and they love it too and um, just sharing the love of storytelling with people it's been um, a really fun experience especially over this pandemic when talking to people is kind of hard <laughs> yeah, I have to say nobody in my real life reads webtoons but I've made so many wonderful friends through the podcast and I just love talking about you know Mini Hobbyland now Purple Hyacinth with them because it's I mean that's why I started it because I wanted to talk about it so mm-hmm. I'm it's been it's been incredible and I'm, I'm always d- delighted and filled with great satisfaction after every episode I'm like that was so great that was so great yeah <laughs> in the same um I didn't really talk to any Purple Hyacinth fans for like most of season one and then it was only towards the end that I really got involved in the community and it was just so great to be able to finally talk to other people who felt the same things I did or had different ideas about theories or anything. Like that. And it's just, it's just such a nice feeling. And especially during the pandemic where we can't see people, we can't spend time with people like how we would normally, having that really did help. Like it just, it made me really happy during that time, especially, I mean, it's still going on, but during the early times of quarantine it really was great to just hop online every day and talk to people about something I loved and it helped boost my love for it all the more 
Yeah, I would have and, to agree with you all the way. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And I just want to say um, thank you, Mindy, for allowing us to talk about it with you as well. Thank you for coming on. Again, I mean, the, it's a very um, mutually beneficial, I guess, because, yeah, I mean, you have to have like true fans on because, yeah, I mean, and anyone who comes on is a true fan. And yeah. it's just, it's just wonderful to have people who care and notice all the small details and have amazing theories. So I'm super grateful that you guys are on. Girls, I hate, I don't like using the guys as a gender neutral term. <laughs> anyway, my own little yeah. thing. Yeah. So. I would have to echo everything Bundan said. Um, it's in a time where it's so hard to talk to people, just having the discord here and um, just being able to talk to people about Purple Hyacinth when, because Purple Hyacinth's like the only thing we really have going in this pandemic, like the only thing that is, and it's every week, so it's very exciting. It's really been a blessing in disguise, and I've made so many friends that, um, from all across the world, and it's been like, in the discussions that we have about Purple Hyacinth and about the world of Purple Hyacinth and how we apply it to our own world and the philosophies that we bring into it, and just how we analyze everything it really kind of opens your mind um to storytelling and just the world around you and yeah it's a it's a group effort like you need for you have purple hyacinth to dissect and you have the brilliance of soap neff and then you have the utter genius of the purple hyacinth community well With this wonderful tribute to the Hyacinth <laughs> and the community. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on. It's been a real pleasure, and I will definitely be seeing you again because you guys signed up for lots of episodes. So. Yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah. Looking so forward to it. <laughs> but yeah, thank you again yeah. for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. These are so fun. Awesome. Well, we'll see you again next week whenever we figure yeah. out a time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, for all for now, have a great night and I'll catch up with you all later. Have okay. a good evening. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to my current patrons Susie, Lady Libras, Mary, Alley Cat, Chelsea, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, and also Emily. Your support is truly, truly, truly appreciated. Thank you so, so much.